All right, guys, welcome back. Here we are, lesson 24. Can you believe this? We're seeing the end of Genesis, and it's just beginning. Do you get it, guys? Do you get that? That's about as funny as I'm going to get today, all right? So here's the deal. Genesis 45 through 46. We, when we left yesterday, we were at the climax of, uh, of, of the brothers, and Benjamin had just been accused of... Uh, stealing the silver cup and Judah is trying to take the leadership and saying, please let me stay, Joseph. Don't send, do not dare send my brothers back to my father Jacob without Benjamin. Like it's just not going to be good. And what I love is, is that Bruce Waltke, uh, uh, a commentator, he says this about Judah's speech. He's presenting this to Joseph. Okay. As he's presenting to Joseph, uh, he's trying to communicate really where his heart is. And, and Bruce Waltke says this, Judah's speech to Joseph, he proves once hateful and selfish, is now motivated by love for one another. And he has integrity within themselves and with one another. And he's proving to Joseph, like, this is real. We're changed. We're different. And, and I love this because in Genesis 45, where we're going to go today, after he sees Judah pour out his heart, after he sees his brother, he's eaten, he's had a good time, they've drank together, he then says in verse 1, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. So he called out, send everybody away from me. Like, get away, go. Like, he's going to lose it. In fact, this composure is talking about this passion that just, as one commentator says, it cannot be contained. So everybody needs to leave. No one was with him. Nobody. When, you ready? When he revealed his identity to his brothers. Can you imagine, like, this whole concept? Like, he is identifying, like, hey, guys... The long-standing uh, long family uh, feud and matter, as Wearsby says, like it's coming to, to, to an end. Like we can finally say 12 tribes. We can finally say, guys, I'm, I'm here. And I love all of these interactions. And in fact, uh, one of the commentators, Roop, he says, you know, the power broker who controlled the course of events suddenly lost control himself. The guy that was stewarding, go this way, bring this. You go this way, come back. He's now just saying, I, I got nothing. And in verse 2, it says this, but he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. I mean, I don't know. I've, I don't think I've ever heard wailing like that before. I don't think I've ever heard weeping like that before. And in verse 3, here's, here it is. He just says, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? <laughs> but his brothers were too terrified to answer him. <laughs> uh, you talk. I ain't talking. You talk. No way. I am not talking. Last time I talked, I got in prison. Like, this is the mentality, you guys. He just revealed 20 plus years of, oh, by the way, all that stuff that you did to me, I'm your brother. Now, Wearsby says this. <laughs> if you're hearing for the first time that Joseph is your brother, <laughs> think about this. They're claiming that, that he's somebody who they thought was dead. He's also claiming that if this is Joseph, why has he been treating us like this uh, in all this punishment? Like, why is he making us go through all of this? And then I, I love this is that they're just speechless. They don't, they don't even know what to say. So these are the thoughts. This is the process. Remember, you guys, they're coming to Joseph's house and they thought they're going to be put into, into a dungeon. And then they end up eating and end up drinking. And now he's saying one step further I'm your brother. And so in verse four, okay, guys, here's what he says. I, I, please come near me. And they came near. He says, I am Joseph, your brother. <laughs> Hello. He just told them that, but they're not moving. <laughs> they're not saying anything. 
uh, the one you sold into Egypt, you know, that Joseph? <laughs> it's kind of like, are, are you aware of, I need you to come closer. No more family secrets, you guys. And then in verse five, and now don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Ah, don't, don't worry about it, man. I got it. God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. How many times, you guys, have we been saying that Joseph was the man to help save and preserve the seed? He just released it in Genesis 45.5. God knew what he was doing. He allowed me to be in a pit. He allowed me to be in a prison. He allowed me to be in a, in a palace. Why? So that I could preserve your life. So that I could preserve the lineage of Christ, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the kids, and all of the wives. I'm, I'm going ahead of you because God knew what he was doing. And I love this because I believe this came from a pure heart. And, and a, a commentator, Thomas, just says this, Happy is the man whose eye is open to seeing the hand of God in everyday events. For to him, life always possesses a wonderful, true joy and glory. In other words, every day serves as an opportunity that could point others to him, our lives to him, instead of just saying, oh man, I'm in a pit. And okay, Lord, thank you, Lord, I'm in a pit. How can you bring, how can you get glory for this? And Joseph just had this heartbeat of over and over and over. He did this. In fact, Kevin, can you go to Genesis 50, verse 19? Genesis 50, verse 19. But Joseph has said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Verse 20. You planned evil against me. And God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. In verse 21, to wrap it up with this, this thought, therefore, don't be afraid. I'll take care of you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Th this was Joseph's heartbeat, you guys. He was going ahead and preparing the way. A brothers who had no food in Canaan were sent to Egypt because Joseph was put there to save their life. Let's go to Romans 8, 28. I believe this was Joseph's heart. Romans 8, 28 just says this. <clears throat> we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. I believe one of many roles that Joseph serves was to save the seed, to preserve the seed. Uh, and I would say that was his purpose. His purpose is also to be a forerunner and go ahead and, and to pave the way over and over and over again we see God use Joseph to go through some really hard things to save a whole lot of people. And I can back that up as we continue to go on in verse 6 of Genesis 45. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there's going to be five more years without plowing or harvesting. In other words, hey, brothers, it's okay. I've got your back. And he says in verse 7, honestly, one of the verses at time revive, I know it's meant for Israel. I know it's meant for the tribes. But man, I just want to hold on to this. God sent me ahead of you to establish you, brothers, lineage as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by great deliverance. That word deliverance is going to actually, we're going to start expanding on that a whole lot more at the end of the week in the book of Exodus. But I'm telling you, Joseph was sent to establish a remnant. Here's a quote by Hamilton. He's kind of a, a new guy that I really like uh, learning from. He says, it, it may well be that in the deliverance of his brothers... Uh, and his father, Joseph perceives that that for, for more is at stake than the mere physical survival of 12 human beings. What really survives is the plan of redemption announced first to this great grandfather. 
like the redemptive plan, yes, it's just to a remnant, but man, it's, it's a whole lot more. I don't know, guys. I, I think to me, wouldn't it be cool that if our role, wherever you're at in life, family, friends, in any city, your job was to establish the remnant? Spiritually speaking, obviously we can't do the physical remnant, but the spiritual speaking, I believe God can help us prepare the way so that we can start raising up people to get ready for his return. In verse 4, it just says this. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin, verse 8. Uh, verse 8, Therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. Like, he wants to reiterate, you guys, I understand what you've done, but God did this. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler over all of the land of Egypt. Like, God is doing this, and God is already preparing the way. Verse 9, return quickly is what I want you to do. Go to my father and say to him, because we're all brothers now, I want you to go to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. Wouldn't that be awesome to be, oh, I'll be the brother that reports that one. <laughs> God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come, come down to me without delay. Do you see the sense of urgency, the quickly, without delay? Like there's a time frame. Guys, let's pick up the pace. And so then it continues on in, in verse 10. You can settle in the land of Goshen, not in Indiana. That's in Egypt area. And be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your sheep, cattle, and all you have. I want you to bring it all. How, how cool is this, you guys? When Abraham started, he was told to take nothing. And now all of a sudden, Jacob's told, I want you to bring everything. It's an interesting illustration. Then it says in verse 11, There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have will become destitute. So Jeff, we were talking about what would happen if Joseph wasn't there as a forerunner, as a guy who was establishing the remnant. What would happen to the brothers? I think it, it tells us right here. I think they'd die. So I think it's kind of a cool contrast. If you don't do this, this is what will happen. If you do this, oh, this is what's going to happen. And then in verse 12, he says, Look, your eyes and my brother Benjamin's eyes can see that it is I, Joseph, who am speaking to you. I love this verse. Your eyes and my brother Benjamin's eyes can see I, I am. Why does he make the distinction between Benjamin's eyes and his eyes and, and the brother's eyes? And he, I mean, why not just say all, all your eyes can see me? Like, why make the distinction? His full brother, and then was it a reference back to Rachel's eyes too? Yeah, there's something to me about, I feel like he's trying to make a physical, like, hey, we might even have the same features. We might even have the same look, the same eyes. Just look up. And at the same time, Benjamin, honestly, is probably as one, as Bruce Walke says, Benjamin's probably the only credible source amongst all of them. So if the brothers can't see it, at least Benjamin can, because Benjamin has no skin in the game, except like you know, he's not the one who's done stuff to him. So he says, look into my eyes. I am speaking. And you know what? What language did he speak to him in? Hebrew. Here he is now speaking his mother tongue, speaking to his brothers like, I've established the remnant that God has already ordained. I've already gone ahead of you to preserve the seed like God is. Do you see how this all works? Probably one of the more profound illustrations of when life just looks like it sucks. And God has a way bigger picture. So don't give up. Don't give up on sometimes when it's tough. Whether you're the brother or Joseph, don't give up. Keep your eyes on the seed of Christ. In verse 13, 
He says, tell my father about my glory in Egypt and about all you've seen. And here's that time frame again. And bring my father here quickly. In verse 14, then Joseph, he threw his arms around Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. A whole lot of crying going on right now. I want to go something. There's a psalm here that I feel like is a pretty powerful picture. Uh, Let's go to verse 15, though, real quick, Kevin. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. There's an image in Psalm 85, 10 about this scene from 14 and 15. Psalm 85, verse 10. You have embracing, you have weeping, you have explaining. uh, As as one gentleman says, it's Joseph's goodwill. Here's what I see. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. It's kind of like all of these characteristics are all coming together finally. There's no bitterness, there's no envy, there's no jealousy, there's no hatred, there's no lack of forgiveness. Love and truth, righteousness and peace, it's like all in the presence of the 12 brothers. And they're all hugging, they're all kissing, like finally they're free. It's a pretty cool picture. And so in verse 16, uh, Kevin, if you can go there, of Genesis 45, When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants, they were pleased. They're not negative about it. They're great, great. Joseph has family. Verse 17, Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go go on back to the land of Canaan. (laughs) This is cool. In verse, get your father, your families, come back to me and I'll give you the best. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you can eat from the richness of the land. In verse 19, you're also commanded to do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt. So I want you to take what you need to haul everything back for your young children and your wives and bring your father here. Here you have an Egyptian pharaoh saying, I'm going to bless you. Why? Because because of Joseph. I will bless those who will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Genesis 12. And then it continues on. And I I just, I got to tell you, take wagons. That means there's a whole lot coming. In verse 20, don't be concerned about your belongings for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. In other words, whatever you can't bring, don't worry about it. Even amidst a famine, I'm going to give you a place that has the richness of the land that nobody else has. 21, the sons of Israel, they they did this. (laughs) Heck yeah, they did. Joseph gave them wagons as Pharaoh had commanded. He gave them provisions for the journey. He gave each of the brothers change of clothes. How cool is that? Joseph, who gave up his, his jacket and he got thrown into a pit, is blessing his brothers with clothes. And he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and he gave him five changes of clothes. You guys remember yesterday's lesson. You know, he's sitting at a table and the next thing you know, he's given five portions of food. Everything for Benjamin is receiving times five. 300 pieces of silver. Here, this language of silver is no longer selling Joseph for For slavery, it's, oh no, he's blessing his brothers with monetary blessings. I think it's cool because these clothes are, it's a new symbol of a new beginning. Everything is fresh. And I like this image. I want to go to Luke 6. I was praying through this verse, Luke 6, 29 through 30. And I was trying to think about if I'm in Joseph's shoes. He's he's pointing to what Christ says in Luke 6, verse 29. If anybody hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. If anybody takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. And then in verse 30, give to everyone who asks from you and from one who takes away your things, don't ask for them back. In verse 29, you get, you see what Joseph's doing? Not only did he have his jacket taken away, he gave them an abundance of clothes. 
Okay, I want to be that ghost. I want to be that Joseph who is serving as a forerunner. I want to be that, that Joseph who's establishing a remnant. I want to be that Joseph who is constantly in the position of forgiving. Because every time we do that, when you go to this board, you know what you're doing? You're pointing people to Christ. Even if you get rejected the first time, you keep going. He gives him the best in verse 23. Praise the Lord for the donkeys, guys. He sent his father and the following ten donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt, ten female donkeys carrying grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. They, they gave them in an abundance. And I love this because I think he knows his family. Even though he's been away for 20 plus years, you know what he does? In verse 24, he sent his brothers on the way and he said, hey guys, please don't fight. Don't argue on the way about if this is your donkey or that's my donkey. Like, just don't argue. Be excited about I'm blessing you. And then in verse 26, uh, sorry, verse 25, they, they went up from Egypt and they came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan. I don't know, you know, like growing up, I used to have to ride in my parents' car and my brother and sister, and we'd be crammed in one car and we'd drive 20 hours to North Dakota. And like there was something about going there in Christmas, like this anticipation, even though it was a miserable trip, 20 hours and I'd sleep on the floor. Nobody was really concerned about safety belts and all that stuff. Like everything was out the window in my era. And that makes me feel old. But like there was an anticipation as soon as we'd come into Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And then as soon as we would get the church's ferry. And then as soon as we started around the corner in Kandu, like we're talking small little towns, like there was this excitement like... This is going to be the best ever. I think these brothers, they're coming to Jacob with the best news any dad could ever hear. Your son is alive. How awesome is that? And so they begin to describe this. And, you know, Joseph is still alive. He's ruler over all the land of Egypt. <laughs> hey, slow down, kids. Slow down. Wait, what did you, what did you just say? It says he was stunned and he didn't even believe them. And then in verse 27, wait, I got to go back. That word stunned. Okay, I did a study on this. That word stunned actually means his heart fainted. It grew cold and it might have even gone numb to the point where maybe he could have even had a heart attack mentality. Think about this, you guys. Joseph is dead in his mind. And then all of a sudden my son is back to life. Now, look, please hear me say this. And this is a weird analogy. I just I think it's a powerful picture, though. What he thought was dead is now alive. And Jesus, who was rejected once, accepted twice, he, he was thought to be dead, but he came alive. No, I'm not saying Joseph died. I think you're just, I'm getting this image of like, that's the mindset that, that we have to have at times. And then the scripture just says, we just kind of look to wrap everything up in verse 27. But when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons, when he saw tangible proof that, J- that Joseph had sent to transport him. In other words, when he saw all of this, there's no way that this guy from Egypt would send this to us unless it was their son. It says that when their father saw the wagons, and Rich, this is what we had been praying for at the leadership retreat, is that when he saw the provision in the wagons, the spirit of their father, Jacob, was revived. It was like as soon as God showed up and Jacob experienced the, the tangibles, it was like his spirit was Revived. They came back to life. And so what's the coolest thing is that in verse 27, what you're not going to see right now is that at that point, when, when he went in, in uh, Genesis 47, Jacob is 130 years old. And we know that he died at 147 year old, uh, for, uh, 147 years old. So what's cool to me is that they had 17 years together still. Joseph and Jacob had 17 years that they could actually enjoy being a family. Can you imagine the the, the Jacob and Joseph and Benjamin reunion? 
Hey, look, I mean, I just, there's so much here to me. And so in verse 28, here we go. Watch this. Then Israel said, enough. <laughs> I've seen the wagons. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go to see him before I die. Well, we know he's got 17 years and uh, he thought he was maybe dying a little bit, but you got some more time here. And then in Genesis 46, I want to transition to the next chapter. Not very many verses, so just hang in there. Israel sent out with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba, and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. I think this is a pretty powerful. It says he set out. He was from Hebron at that time. So at this point, he's gone 20 miles northeast of Beersheba. He hasn't gone far, but as he's in Beersheba, okay, in verse 2, it says, that night God spoke to Israel in a vision. So now... Isn't it get confusing sometimes? He's speaking to Israel, but then he says, Jacob, Jacob. It's the same guy. Okay, just so we're all on the same page. Remember the name change. He spoke to Israel in a vision, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, and Jacob, uh, he said, and Jacob replied, here I am. We're going to get into Exodus and you're going to see the burning bush and you're going to see Moses. Here I am. Like there's this language. Every time God speaks to these men of God, they're just ready to go. Yes, here I am. Crazy enough. Can you, Kevin, go to Genesis 21? Genesis 21, verse 32 Watch what happens to Abraham. Genesis 21, verse 32. After they had made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, left and returned to the land of the Philistines. And keep going in verse 33. What you have is Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. This is a place that he called upon the name of Yahweh, the everlasting God. So Abraham, his great or his grandfather, this is a marker in his life. Then I want you to go to Isaac, Kevin, if you would. Go to Genesis 26, verse 23. Same thing happens to his dad. And what you have is, again, over and over and over again, God just reminds us. And from there he went up to Beersheba in verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him that night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. So there's something about these guys being nervous as they walk by fear. And he said, I'm with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your offspring because of my servant Abraham in verse 25 in Beersheba. He says, so he built an altar. He worshiped the Lord. He pitched his tent there. And Isaac's slaves also dug a well there. Abraham and Isaac both have an encounter with the Lord at Beersheba. And what do you know? So does Jacob. It's an awesome picture here. And in verse three, what does he say? He, he says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. Over Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. Here's, don't, don't be afraid, guys. I, I've got the whole plan unfolded. Don't be afraid to go down there. I'm going to make you into a great nation there. Whoa. Then that means Genesis 15, 13, it could come to fruition. Like if I'm, I'm going to be a great nation, then that means maybe what you're saying is true. And then it continues on. Don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a great nation. I just want to show you over and over Genesis 12 2, Kevin, if you would. Genesis 12 2, look at this promise of, of may, being made a great nation. I will make you into a great nation. Genesis 15, 13, 14. We just read this, but it's about this whole going into another foreign land. Genesis 15, 13. You go into a land that doesn't belong and then watch in verse 14. He says, however, I will judge the nation they serve and afterward they'll go out with many possessions. It's really more verse 13. But the point is, is that over and over, Kevin, if you would go to Genesis 17, 6. I'm going to make you a great nation. Genesis 17, 6. I'll make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from that will come from you. So here you have Jacob and Beersheba. He's saying, by the way, don't worry about going into Egypt. I'm going to make you a great nation. Over and over, Abraham and Isaac heard this. Jacob needs to hear it too. Genesis 18, 18. Genesis 18, 18, guess what it says? 
Abraham has become a great and powerful nation. Continues on in Genesis 21, verse 13 through 18. I think you get the point. The promises are made. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And so when he has Jacob's attention in Beersheba, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he says in verse 4, I will go down with you to Egypt and I'll also bring you, watch that, back. I'm not going to just keep you there, but what he doesn't say, and now he begins to explain, is Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. I will allow you to die back in your land of Canaan. Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. Joseph will be with you to the end. Yes, the eldest always put your hands onto the deceased. Yes, it's an implication that like the family's with you and he, he's, he's going to watch over you. Okay, I'm sure I could have said that a whole lot cleaner. Now, here's something crazy. This is the last revelation that you're going to see God speaking to somebody in the book of Genesis. Okay? The next time you hear a revelation is when we get into the book of Exodus, almost 430 years later. And you know where it's found? The burning bush. So when Jacob has an encounter in Beersheba, the next time that you see a God encounter like this is at the burning bush in Exodus 3. Man, you guys, there's a lot here. So Jacob, it says in verse 5, uh, he left Beersheba. Beersheba, the sons of Israel took their father Jacob in their wagons. Pharaoh had sent to carry him along with their children and their wives. In verse 6, they also took their cattle and their possessions that they had acquired in the land of Canaan. And then Jacob and all of his children went with him. His children with him went to Egypt. Like, I, I feel like knowing this encounter in Beersheba, the fear is gone. God just says, I got it. I know I'm with you. And I just, in my mind, I don't know if I'd be sharing this with everybody, but Jacob just probably has his peace. And, and then in verse 7, Kevin, if you could, his sons, his grandsons, his daughters, and his granddaughters, indeed all his offspring, he brought with him to Egypt. It's a pretty cool picture, isn't it? The whole family, you guys. And then in, here's what's cool. In Genesis 46, 8, I'm not going to teach on it, but in Genesis 46, 8, what you have is... 8 through 27, is you have all of the lineage about who is this family. So he literally goes through the firstborns. He goes through Reuben and Simeon and all the way through his sons. It's a pretty cool picture all the way down to verse 27. And then it says at the end of verse 27, all those of Jacob's household who had come to Egypt, 70 persons. Now, watch this. In verse 29, Joseph hitched the horses to his chariot. And he went up to Goshen to meet his father. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands. Judah, in verse 28, was the son that was sent ahead. Judah went ahead to tell Joseph, we're here. He was the forerunner for the family. It says, now look, Judah sent ahead of him to Joseph to prepare for his arrival. And then in verse 29, here you have it. Joseph, they got to meet you guys. After 20-some years, he went up to Goshen to meet his father. Joseph presented himself to him, threw his arms around him, and he wept for a long time. When I think about this picture of the seed of Christ and the forerunner and the remnant and the preservation and saving the seed, God uses Joseph to speak into the life of his father. And Joseph told Pharaoh at the end of 46, and then Pharaoh gave Israel what he said he was going to give him, the land of Goshen. When it doesn't look good, God still shows up. All I know is that this is one of the most ridiculous, cool stories ever. One guy saved the seed. 
In fact, he saved his brothers, he saved his dad, he saved the wives, the kids, and in all reality, a lot of us. There you have lesson 24, Genesis 45 through 46, the family reunites. How cool. And guess what? Tomorrow, man, you guys, we got a whole lot more to cover. Please continue to dig in the Word of God. Uh, We're going to wrap up Genesis this week, and I am really proud of you guys for sticking with this. Sometimes you're reading two chapters, sometimes you read one chapter, but keep pressing in, and God's uh, going to continue to paint uh, the portrait, the painting, really, of the Messiah. And we all know that it's Jesus. Thanks.